Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live.
What's up, man? You there? Demetrius. Hey man, how you doing? All right, and yourself? Doing all right, doing all right. I mean, considering what happened in that fiesta bowl, I'm still alive, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, buddy, that was rough, man. Rough. Uh-huh. rough. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. Um, real quick, what you think about the Wilson uh, day hiring the whole Beck thing? With the Buckeyes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hold on. I'm trying to do something real quick. Oh, no problem. Phone's tripping out, but go ahead. Um, I think it's a... uh... I think that they had to make a move at offensive coordinator, you know, with Beck leaving to go to Texas. I don't know about this guy, one of his protégés, Chip Kelly. He cut down. Uh, but that that Wilson hiring, if if they go, did they make that hiring? Did the uh, head coach from Indiana that was yeah. released? They yeah, did do that? A, yeah, that's official. Well then uh that's 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 a big upgrade. That's a major upgrade. I mean the offense has been stagnant since Tom Herman went to Texas. And that's at least what, two years now? So Yeah. So I mean went to Houston. So I mean he's made a move from Houston and now he's at Texas and the offense has still been struggling. So I, I think it's a, a major upgrade. I mean Considering the talent that Indiana was getting, I mean, hey, they took OSU down to the wire um, when they played them, and a lot of other teams. They they've had a lot of offensive firepower. You think about him, Kevin Wilson, and and having five stars and four stars to be able to, you know, to basically game plan and and uh, coordinate, you know, offensive game plans. I expect them to get back on track and and putting up you know, running up the score again, at least in the 30s and 40s and stuff like that, maybe even potentially 50s when you when you have hire, make a hire like that and then pair him up with the, the kind of athletes that you, you know, that Urban Meyer is bringing in. I was just reading something last night on Bleacher Report that even though Alabama, of course, they're crowning them again as the number one recruiting class. Uh, Ohio State has more five stars than they do coming in. So I'm yeah, really I've hoping. seen that. I've seen yeah. that. I, I've been looking at it too. I mean, I think every Buckeye fan is looking at it honestly. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, because <laughs> uh, that that was not good. Uh, what about where are you at with JT? JT's a guy that seems like he's got to have uh, – <clears throat> he reminds me a little bit of Dalton where he can throw, I think, 
but I think it's a mental issue with him. If it, if it's not all the way there, he doesn't want to turn the ball over. He kind of yeah. overthinks it. Holds the and ball too long holds and the then wants to do long. it itself. Yeah. Exactly. And then on top of that, let's see. If he doesn't have a clean pocket, they should they did a they did a uh, stat where when he has a clean pocket, the dude is like a seventy percent or eighty percent thrower or whatever. But when mm-hmm. he's in a, a dirty pocket, his percentage goes under fifty percent. So what it tells me is he can't under pressure and making him stand in the pocket, the defense is normally gonna win that battle. So they, that's um, not a, I, I that's, think that's that, not a good that, stat. That 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 situation though had played itself out three or four times over the last mm-hmm. you know couple of years, and that's where you get upset with the, the where the frustration lies because it's like put him in a better position to win. They kind of did the same thing with Cardell, so I'm happy right. with with them bringing in you know new coaches and whatnot. It's just this coach in particular that I got a problem with because I don't like the way the circumstances, the way he left Indiana, and that's right. what you worry about. You know what I mean? We already right. had the Shiano Penn State stuff, so now we bring in another coach where, hey, I'm all for guys getting a second chance, especially if they help the program and it becomes successful. But, um, uh-huh. you know, at the you know, hey, I know winning is everything. I'm not one of those people, but, you know, you could avoid this and go get, you know, a Chip Kelly or, you know, Mark Helfrey. You know what I mean? Exactly. You can get the same result with somebody else, so I don't know. That's my whole thing, so. Um, and this guy is – I could see if it was like he had been removed a year from that scandal or, you know what yeah. I mean, from those circumstances. That's the only thing. So, I don't know. Right. Because um, it's kind sure, of, it reminds, sure me, the it reminds, me, it reminds me of the same situation with Mike Leach and Craig James' son. That's what uh-huh. it reminds me of, the way, he, the way he left Texas Tech. Right, right. Well, I'm sure Urban Meyer will have the, the watchful hawk eye on him. And and, were, and had a, a thorough interview and investigation before he decided to bring him around his kids. So, and I'm and I know he's serious about that. So we'll see. Oh my God, that was one of the worst shots. All right, all right, let's get it cranked up, man. Your Bengals. All right. What's in Ohio Bias presents the I-71 South podcast featuring Garrett Staples, IMD, Cleveland Born and Raised, Buckeye Born and Bred. And we welcome in the host, Garrett Staples. Hello, everyone. It's good to talk with you guys with an Ohio Bias. Let's let's just dive right into it. It was uh, a long, frustrating year that came to an end on a uh, positive note. And uh, let's let's just dive in. And Happy New Year, everyone. Absolutely. Um, I think Rex Burkhead just scored another touchdown on the Ratbirds. But, uh, yeah, the Bengals win 27-10 to 10 over the Ravens. Um, I know you're excited about the way that they just show some resolve in finishing the season. Oh, hold on real quick. Let me set this up. Um, I'll throw it to you again. Uh, in this podcast, we will be talking uh, the, the, the season-finishing win that has Bengals fans feeling a little better about a tough season. Uh, we of course we'll talk about the breaking the big news out there with the arrest of Adam Jones, um, Mike Brown giving a vote of confidence at least for one more year to Marvin Lewis, and will AJ McCarron and Catherine, what uh, Catherine McPhee not McPhee Catherine Webb have a new address that won't be inside of Ohio? 
Uh, Garrett, I know you're excited that uh, the Bengals gave all the fans something to be happy about the way they finished the season with a big win over AFC North opponent. I'm very excited. And, you know, you have some of the younger guys step up, like a Jake Fisher, Cody Core, uh, guys who weren't didn't have starting roles, but through injury got time to play like a Rex Burkhead, and he really put put good film out there, good play on film out there. And, uh, you know, you got some guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents where it's, it's really going to be interesting to see. But uh, it was good to see the guys uh, kind of not just give up on the season and just really finish strong, finish the season strong on a positive note and kind of have something to build on going towards into the 2017 season. Absolutely. And then we saw the retirement uh, that was announced by Steve Smith Sr., and you thought maybe the Ravens would try to get him a big day, but that wasn't the case. The uh, Bengals' defense was up to the task of keeping them holding, holding those guys uh, to just one touchdown. That is correct. Uh, you know, Steve Smith Sr., he is uh, – been on a thorn, a thorn in a, a lot of NFL teams, not just the Bengals side, and uh, he had a, a decent day, but they really didn't let him uh, go off, and the defense really did step up, and their Achilles heel all year long has been able to uh, stop the run up the middle, and they were able to accomplish that this game. So it was it was welcome to see. I don't know if that is a, a testament to, you know, the Ravens running game kind of being subpar or did the defense really step up and make a statement? Um, maybe it's the latter of the two, but either way it was, it was great to see, you know, the Bengals, uh, you know, finish strong. Well, it might be an indictment of Marvin Lewis that the youth and the depth of the Bengals was able to show that they have some talent. Um, you 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 talked about the guys that need to step up. You were hit the head right on the uh, nail with the statement about you know Rex Burkhead. He had the big day, two touchdowns. Um, you know Nick Vigil, some other guys on that defense stepping up, making plays. How do you right. see this now with the season coming? Is finally over? Um, a grade for this season, and then you know. Uh, not going through the roster moves, but just the philosophy. Is it time that the Bengals really turn the page and give those guys a chance to get on the field? I look at it like this. Uh, the Bengals just, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to keep the same coaching staff in place, I don't see too many changes, but I do see where the younger guys, where they, they stockpile these draft picks, and don't really let them play until maybe year two or year three down the road. I think that that maturation process has got to be sped up to where you start letting guys in their rookie year play some meaningful minutes here and there. And that's how you, you know, you build and strengthen your roster and you make sure that you have depth. So towards the end of the season, you know, you're not wearing your veterans out. And that's my only gripe with, with Marvin, where he's he's waiting for his rookies. Really, he basically redshirts them, if you you know that college term, where it makes them sit out the first year and just learn the playbook and really doesn't doesn't play those guys very much um, their their first season or have any impactful minutes. So that's, that, that's a concern. 
Um, and just coaching philosophy-wise, you know, one of the Achilles heels of the, the Bengals all season long has been one of their strong points in previous seasons, and that's that's the offensive line. And, you know, even if you're not, you know, as much as Bengal fans and we, we talked about we want uh, Marvin Lewis gone, if you're talking about Mike Brown, and we know notoriously if you have a year left on your contract, that you're going to fulfill it under Mike Brown. He's not going to fire you. So, therefore, Marvin will be back for last year of contract in 17. So, with that being said, you've got to, you know, it's that old proverbial thing. you got to point the finger at someone, and you got to look at the offensive uh, line coach, Paul Alexander, and say, you know, you had Andre Smith who went to Minnesota. So, that's only one guy that uh that is uh left the offensive line from uh fifteen and the lack of drop off and just the the amount of sacks and quarterback hurries and the duress that uh Andy the red rifle Dalton was under, you know, that's it, it's unacceptable. And, you know, they had an experiment where they drafted two tackles back to back, a Cedric Abwehi, and then you also had uh a Jake Fisher out of Oregon two guys out of uh, A&M and Oregon, respectively. And uh, one has looks like he's going to be all right. He, he's panning out pretty well. And Jake Fisher, you know, they use him in uh, different different roles with the tight end, that, that sort of thing. But uh, Cedric Abwehi, that looks to be a bust at right tackle. And it looks like they're going to have to – they're going to either have to see if he if it's still a, a, a knee issue or whatever because he initially came – into the league, and he sat out and redshirted a year because of ACLs. Is still something wrong with that? Or honestly, I think they're they're going to have to look at addressing that whole offensive line because you only have two guys worth mentioning to me who are unrestricted free agents that I would worry about trying to keep, and I only think you're going to keep maybe one of the two out of Zeitler and uh, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler and Andrew Whitworth. And if you're playing the numbers game and you're paying, you know, playing age at left tackle, you're going to want to go younger and maybe let Andrew Whitworth uh, move on and keep Kevin Zeitler, who is uh, a little bit younger, uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, give us a grade for this season here. A rough grade. Um, being that one of the, the strong points for the Bengals over the past few years has been that defense and, I think ever since Zimmer left the Minnesota, you can you're starting to really notice a drop off. And offensively, we took a major hit. I think with just play calling with you up there, with you guys up uh, 71 North up there in Cleveland, I got to go with oh man, six nine and one record. This isn't what is expectations that we're expecting in Cincinnati. I'm gonna have to go. I'd have to go with C. All right, and. Uh... One other real quick highlight I thought was good to see for the Bengals. We know Tyler Eifert has struggled with injury this year, but C.J. Esma uh, came out and looked good, you know, in replacing him this uh, and gave the offense some punch there. Also with Burkhead, I mean Burkhead, also with Bernard and, uh, of course, A.J. Green uh, sideline with injury. Yeah, C.J. Uzma, uh, he looked, looked very well, and uh, you could kind of tell he was just trying to get his feet Planted, you know, might I say, and you know, it took him a few games to 
get up to NFL game speed. It's the difference from the adjustment to college to uh, to the pros and asking a rookie, you know, to make that transition from uh, you know from the college collegiate game to the uh, to the pros. So it took a little while, but as you can see, towards the middle of the season, on in um, heading in here. For some teams going to the postseason, he he really made an adjustment and he had a great game this uh, last game against uh, Baltimore. Well, some of us were enjoying our day off Monday. Others of us <laughs> were in a county jail, um, not going through the charges. And you know, Adam Jones is disputing them, but you already had talked about on the podcast previously just with his play on the field. Maybe he's lost a step, and maybe it was time to part ways. The big question. I mean, it just comes down to regardless of what the incident, you know, the situation demands with all the details, is it time for the Bengals to move on from Adam Jones? He's a a fan favorite here in Cincinnati, Uh, built a big rapport. But like I said, and I mentioned before, uh, you're starting to notice it on the field where, you know, the legs are giving out on kick return a little bit and just getting beat in regular coverage, you know, there is a step loss. And I just think I just think as many chances as uh, Adam has gotten from Tennessee to Dallas to here and Cincinnati where I was just reading up and, you know, that's four arrests here in Cincinnati. I, I just think it's time to just to move on. Uh, Adam Jones has definitely been a great guy, a, a great reclamation pro- project under uh, – Marvin Lewis, but even with that edge that that you sometimes need with a defender, sometimes he he just he still I think at this age cannot control it, and that was that was apparently clear in the playoff game last year, and then just also when you're talking about this season as well, uh, the very last Steelers game, Lee, that was here in uh, Cincinnati. You know, you had another meltdown, and that cost us another easy 30 yards, and that that was that put us away, even being up uh, 20. What was that? 20 points going into halftime. So, I just think it's time. Uh, I, I love Adam Pacman Jones, but uh, you know, I just feel that it's run its course. His time has run its course here in Cincinnati, and I wish him the best. And hopefully, Marvin can. You know, I know some of these guys. He looks at them as his his own son, but sometimes you, you, you got to do what's right and it's business and it, it's time to move on from Adam Jones. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you wonder how much tread would be left for Adam Jones if he didn't have to do the return game and play, if you could save something. And then also too, I know you talked about um, if he were going to, if Adam Jones was going to stay, you think he could move to safety and make an impact. No, I think that just with the the lack of safety play that we've had since we let Reggie Nelson go in free agency to the Raiders, I think that would be a a, a viable option. You know, kind of like they did before, even where even the tread was just about all empty for uh, Leon Hall. You know, they they did that experiment and moved him to safety, and I think cornerbacks are able to make that transition to safety. You know, because they're so in, they have to be, I think, a little bit even more instinctive than a uh, regular safety or free safety. So I think that transition could be made with Adam Jones to uh, free safety. 
Yeah, you always think about, you know, a guy played well in the uh, AFC North, Rod Woodson, of course, and then, of course, Ohio's own Charles Woodson, um, two guys that, you know, extended their careers, their Hall of Fame careers for a long time. Um, well, possibly Hall of Fame careers. They should be in the Hall of Fame. Definitely. All right, and then uh, we're not going to get into all the off season everything, but we will talk about just the comments from A.J. McCarron, who said he would be open to a trade, exact quote. Um, something that you've brought up a couple of times, which I never even thought was a possibility. Where do you think the Bengals are with that? Is this something that they should even be exploring? Is that, you know, and once again, I just, I can't keep bringing it up, but when you have a guy in his last year, are you giving away assets that, you know, maybe another regime or another coaching staff could actually use? Honestly, I I, I think, and now I, I, this is why I say this is the year that you need to get rid of Marvin Lewis. So, therefore, you can go ahead and have that new regime come in this season and evaluate the quarterback position and say, well, do I want to go with Andy or do I want to go with A.J. McCarron, a, a younger option with a little bit bigger arm? And – from what I see right now and just looking at the market for quarterbacks, and I look at the AFC in general, there's a lot of different places that need a starting quarterback. Um, and I think with Marvin and with the season he's had, I don't see him going with even a third-year player or, excuse me, a fourth-year player versus a, a veteran like Andy Dalton. I, I think he knows that the handwriting is on his wall, so. I definitely see him starting uh, Andy Dalton. So with that being said, I would love for them to keep AJ here another season, but I think you got to strike the strike on the uh, on the stove while it's hot, and go ahead and try to move AJ McCarron because if you let him become an unrestricted free agent, this guy already feels that in his mind with, with the statement he made uh, that he feels he's an NFL starter, and what he put on tape and what he put on film. Last season when Dalton went down with the uh, thumb injury trying to make the tackle on on the uh, defender on Pittsburgh from that interception and the games that he had played from the regular season and even the postseason game against Pittsburgh, he put great film on tape. So, you know, you might as well go ahead and try to get something, get some draft picks for him while you can get something because he's definitely leaving. Those are the two major free agents unrestricted free agents that you'll be concerned about this year would be uh, Rex Burkhead, you know, letting him just leave for nothing. And then the next year is just, as you as we're talking about right now, A.J. McCarron letting him just walk out of here for nothing and you don't get anything in return. And that's not good from a football standpoint and to help your franchise for the future. Where do you see – at one point you said that one of the plans, at least uh, in uh, theory, was to have Marvin Lewis join the front office. Do you think that's still a possibility after his uh, years up on his contract, or will this be a full um, scenario where the Bengals uh, cut all ties with Marvin? I think Mike Brown holds Marvin in such high regards that – it's a possibility that they would let Marvin uh, go up into the uh, front office. I, I, I could potentially see that happening. Um, 
But I, I like I said, you know, this is like a lame duck year next year, 17 for Marvin. So I really do think that it really how this season play, pans out, if the Bengals do not make the the playoffs next season, I, I could potentially also see as much as I see him going into the front office, Marvin, I could also potentially see him just a clean break and a clean slate and uh, letting Marvin maybe try to pursue his uh, head coaching uh, wants, um, you know, or going somewhere else within the uh, NFL. So we'll see. All right, Garrett, uh, give the people something positive on the way out about this Bengals season and looking forward to this offseason. We'll be back with some podcasters checking in as news breaks, and we just hope everybody uh, stays happy and healthy and out of trouble out of Hamilton County Jail. (laughs) Most definitely. Uh, The positive I can give you is with all the transition that you had on, especially offensively, from offensive line, which there's going to be more transition. But I just think from a coaching standpoint, you had a lot of transition. You had a defensive backs coach in Vance Joseph, who is now the defensive coordinator, in Miami, so now you have a Kevin Coyle that's uh, here in the secondary. At least guys have a year up under their belt, and guys know their system. Uh, we reported earlier in the season that you know defensive backs weren't weren't really happy with Kevin Coyle's uh, system, but you got to adjust to it if the coach is still there. And the coach also, you know, the better coaches, they adjust to their personnel. And then also the major issue, I think, is just offensive play calling and or the lack thereof. And, you know, with Hugh Jackson being you guys' head coach up there in Cleveland, that was a big loss. And it was just, I guess you can say, A.J. Green, uh, it was a quote saying that he felt that he was one of the better coordinators he's had. Uh, I don't personally feel that way, but at least Ken Zampisi got has a year up under his belt and hopefully his, uh, you know, we can hope that his play calling and situational awareness and uh, situations within the game, his play calling, will continue to get better with the experience that he had over this season. All right. Well, remember to give us a like on Facebook with an Ohio bias. You can follow us on Twitter at with an Ohio bias. Uh, plenty of Bengals coverage there from your from your pulse, the heartbeat of the Cincinnati Bengals, Garrett Staples, giving you all that good information. And you can follow him at Ohio Player 80. Um, the I-71 South podcast will continue during the Bengals offseason when breaking news happens and things happen that need to be uh, covered. And, of course, we'll have a nice draft preview for you as well as we get to May. Garrett, you want to sign off? Ladies and gents, once again, uh, a happy and prosperous uh, love, peace, and happiness to all. Happy 2017. Hopefully it's enjoyable. And and I just want to say I look forward to a a better year. It seemed like I had a little bit of doom and gloom, but I I have to be realistic with the fans and uh, tell them them the real and and not give them any uh, phony false baloney. So uh, hopefully we look forward to a a new 17 here and just an exciting upcoming season and just all the transgressions that uh, will be taking place with the the draft and NFL free agency. We'll definitely be getting some podcasts out there and and keeping you up to date and pushing information out to you 
through uh, Bangladesh here in Cincinnati. So I uh, love you guys. Good. Uh, I'm always. It's always fun, and I always enjoy. It's one of my passions to uh, discuss uh, Bengals with you. And I have one more thing to say: the normal call sign. Uh, who they? That's it. All right. Very good. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and J, NFL Wild Card Show, 2016. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And go ahead, introduce yourself, Garrett Staples. Hello there, Ashtabula, Ohioan. Uh, I have uh, some DMV roots uh, as well, and uh, it's good to be back here, down here in I-71, down here in the jungle area we call Cincinnati in the 513. Welcome and Happy New Year. Yeah, Garrett Staples, host of the I-71 South podcast presented by With an Ohio Bias, steps in again to talk the NFL wild card. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl show was so well received, even though the predictions were crap as the Buckeyes got rolled. But uh, we are here to talk NFL football. And uh, in this podcast, we're just going to go through each matchup. We're going to go through some of the coaching changes and some of the best fits there and talk about the injuries that played a role in this NFL season. But, Garrett, I think we start with the stir you created on social media with your comments about the NFC East. <laughs> the NFC East is like the SEC. It's the, we know it's the media darling. And, you know, the first thing NFC's Homer will tell you is, you know, that we have the most Super Bowls in one division. So that's why they're supposedly the dynasty and just – also, you know, I, I tend to upset NFC's fans because I feel it's a uh, it's a media bias being on the East Coast and being in all the me- major media markets. That's why they get so much attention. But let's all talk right. uh, NFC's. Well, we're going to turn our attention to them here shortly. They're participants in this year's championship and this year's Super Bowl run for the NFL playoffs and this year's NFL playoffs. Uh, real quick, Garrett, let's talk about some of these coaches and what's happened. And I think you start with the, uh, you know, uh, forced retirement out in Denver. I mean, I'm not a huge Bronco fan of anything whatsoever, but my, I do take my hat off to Gary Kubiak, who was forced to resign because of health reasons, at just a year removed from taking the team and winning the Super Bowl. Um, it, it's, a, it's a sad situation there, and the Broncos will be looking for a new coach. That's that's interesting, you know, to go from, you know, being at the top of your game and winning the Super Bowl to, you know, battling health issues and, and not even able to coach games. It's, it's a sad situation. Uh, I wish Gary Kubiak the, the best, and uh, John Elway does, definitely has a decision to make in who he wants to to bring in to uh, to get the Broncos in the, the right direction because they definitely had a uh, a drop-off this year from going and winning the Super Bowl to not even being in uh, postseason contention. Yeah, nice ovation for the media on his last uh, post-game press conference on Monday or season-ending post-game press conference or season-ending press conference um, when he made the final announcement. Um, you look at, you know, the one name that's surfaced there for the Broncos, um, which are one of the – five jobs out there still uh with along with the 49ers who fired Chip Kelly, the Rams who fired Jeff Fisher, uh the Bills who fired Rex Ryan, the Jaguars who fired Gus Bradley. Um y- you think about 
the name that pops up and I hear that he really wants the job is the OC from the Atlanta Falcons who are on by waiting in the playoffs, and that's Kyle Shanahan. I mean, that would make sense. Um, you know, you're talking when you mentioned the name, last name Shanahan, you know, uh, Mike Shanahan had a great run in Denver. So, you know, from a nepotism or, or a family standpoint, and you know, with Kyle being a hot coordinator, and a uh, youthful guy, and, and when you're talking about with Denver, it's not so much defensively that they're struggling, but offensively they're struggling. And that's a perfect uh, match made in heaven to uh, to bring Kyle out there to out there to, to uh, Denver, you know, to really to be the head coach. But I'm sure he'll have his footprint as far as getting that, that offense fixed. You know, it, uh, when I think Kyle Shanahan, I, I shouldn't put – both in the same light, but I think of a young coordinator that came from uh, New England, but normally their their coordinators haven't done well as head coaches. But you think about Josh McDaniels, but I'm hoping and thinking that Kyle Shanahan would be be a better match and a better fit just being that he's been in the family and I'm sure he's familiar with that organization. So I think that would be a a great match for uh, Denver. Yeah, and the Jaguars are looking at Josh McDaniels, but the name that really uh, strikes me, and you think about, you made the statement of the Broncos won't go dipping back in that well twice, but the Jaguars might, they might hire former Giants coach Tom Coughlin. Yes, yes. I think, you know, Tom Coughlin won't be a long-term, a long-term, what can I say, a long-term solution for uh, Jacksonville. But it will definitely help in the short term. And, and what they need is a good two, three years of military-style butt-kicking. And uh, that's that's what you're going to get with uh, that's what you're gonna get with Tom Coughlin. You know, you, you've heard stories come out of the Giants organization where if you're not 10 minutes ahead of time uh, prior to a meeting, you're late. And I, I just think that's some of the discipline that needs to be instilled in Jacksonville. Hell, I think it should be instilled here in Cincinnati. I think guys are complacent. And I think sometimes you need that uh, authoritative figure to let guys know and not, you know, when they come in to to be accountable and not get comfortable and know that you have a job that you have to do. Yeah, very young football team down there in Jacksonville. And, folks, if you didn't know, Gary, Garrett Staples is an Army vet, so that's why he loves that military style butt kicking. Um, you know what's interesting, though? Gus Bradley got fired. The Jaguars, all the players came out, said that it sucked and how much they loved him. Then they came out with a hell of a performance to win a game. It, you know, it, it just the, the the rhetoric didn't meet the action down there by the players. So that was an interesting right. dynamic. And I do agree with you, though. I think Tom Coughlin would be a great fit. And could you imagine if the Jaguars played the Giants next year? Um, the other two <laughs> openings, the other two openings that are out there, the Forty ers I mean, they haven't been right since they let Trent Baalke fire Harbaugh. Um, and you would think that they would, if they, if somebody was smart with the 49ers, the owner there, he would go back and hire Harbaugh. I mean, that was the thing. And you got rid of Balky now, so you would do that. They got rid of Chip Kelly. Um, the one name that is not, if they give this guy the job, would be the biggest mistake ever. Jeff Garcia says he can fix the 49ers' problems. Former quarterback out there says he knows what to do because his dad was a head coach. But the real names that are surfacing with them, uh, some of the names that. I've heard is uh, Harold Goodwin, who's the uh, OC for the Arizona Cardinals. 
um, uh-huh. along with uh, Matt Patricia, who's also in the run for the Rams job as well, and possibly the Buffalo Bills. I I know I have when my mind is set kind of on uh, New England um, coordinators, so I, I'd have to go Harold Goodwin. I'm I'm not a fan of Matt Patricia. I, I just I have this feeling with uh, Bill Belichick and just the system that he has in place that I think you or I can almost coach coach that system. You know, that's just my personal feeling. Um, you know, I, I I really do upset a lot of Patriots fans when I say, probably saw my post the uh, other day where I just said, hey, I feel like uh, Brady, after, you know, we, we got the chance to see him be suspended for, what was it, four games, and you saw three different quarterbacks win while he was out. To me, it's a testament of Belichick's system more than it is the uh, players, where he can just plug them in and, and just continue to keep on winning. Yeah, and I think people get uh, a little upset when you say system because when when you mention that, I think it's more of the structure there that Belichick mm-hmm. has set up. It's not like mm-hmm. you know they're running a uh, run and shoot offense or a, or you know a air raid type system. You know that that's what people think of when they hear system. So you know I, I think it's more of the structure that's in place there that you know as long as somebody's capable of. Uh, eating and speaking, you know, maybe even a chimpanzee could step in there and help out. Um, well, the let other me, name let me I mention this. Yeah, let me mention this also. Uh, Belichick, if you know anything about Maryland, the headquarters of uh, Navy is down there in Annapolis, and he's uh, he's got some Navy ties as well, a, a military kind of guy as well. So that's where that structure comes in. Absolutely, huge that. fan. Yeah, huge fan of Paul Brown as well. I mean, that's where that comes from too. That that military uh, st- strategy and structure that they put in the football. And so he, I mean, Belichick has always gave all credit to Paul Brown for a lot of the things and ideas and things that he tries to implement. Um, one other one I just wanted to mention real quick, the Buffalo Bills are out there looking. Um, they kept their GM up there, who I think is the source of most of their problems. But the one name that surfaced was the OC for the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's the former Bills quarterback, Frank Wright, which just to me seems like a perfect fit. Interesting, interesting. I, I think that's a, a perfect fit, and I think with some of the the young talent that you have there in Buffalo, that would be uh, – I think that would be a great fit, actually. You know, now who who will Frank Wright – because, you know, of course, he's a quarterback, so he'll definitely be able to work with Tyrod Taylor and, and really get him over the hump. Because I think when you think of Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan really knows defense, and every team he's coached, the offense has really has really struggled because he his footprint is is defense, and he his, the offense has never flourished while he's been a head coach. So I think Frank Reich would be a a perfect candidate, and you know he would just have to bring somebody in with his defensive staff you know, to to solidify that and to, to really run that so he can really just manage the rest of the team and keep his footprint on the offense where he could help a younger quarterback like uh, Tyron Taylor be successful. Well, you, you talk about TV, and uh, we're going to get to the TV schedule for these NFL games, but get ready, folks. You're going to see a whole lot of Rex Ryan on your TV if he's not hired in some capacity as a coach. He'll be on some pregame show for uh, – your football viewing in the NFL. Um, <laughs> the Rexter, yeah. 
the the NFL was plagued by injuries in the late weeks. I mean, we saw Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota go down with broken legs. I mean, even Earl Thomas. Some of these uh, injuries have had uh, profound effects. Ryan Tannehill also with the Miami Dolphins, profound effect on these teams that are in the playoffs. We'll be getting into that when we get into the specific game. But, I mean, have you ever seen a rash of this many broken leg injuries in the NFL, Garrett? No, I have not, but, uh, you know, with the Raiders, oh, man. When you got, you're got you up 20 points in the fourth quarter, something says to me, you know, that's when you take your starting quarterback out. You know you're pretty much already got the division under wraps, or they, they did at that, that moment, and then, you know, you leave the guy in, and that towards the end of the game, that's when his foot gets turned, broken ankle, and now he's out for the season. And then you come right back with a Matt McGowan, and I'm not sure if it's shoulder. Concussion. Torn, oh, a concussion. I take that back in concussion. So now you're down to your rookie quarterback with Connor Cook. So I've never seen a rash this uh, this bad, but I, I, it's funny. I had a Raiders fan who was giving me a lot of grief, and I said, buddy, you haven't, got, haven't been decent in about a decade. And I said, I guess this is karma for you running your mouth. So I, I hate upset Raider fans right now, but it is what it is. Well, that might be the prediction, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that you're going to see here uh, from Garrett Staples, Um, because that game leads off the slate (laughs) for the wild card weekend, 435 on ESPN. The Oakland Raiders go into NRG Stadium to take on the Houston Texans. Um, prediction-wise, is is I guess we got to think about Tom Savage. Is he going to be available? And I don't believe so. Mark Osweiler starting. Yeah, he also, yeah, they, Tom Savage. You're right. McLoin is hurt with a shoulder. I'm sorry. Tom Savage is the uh, one with the concussion. I got it written right okay. here. That's my bad on that. Okay. And we're looking at uh, Brock Osweiler starting. And I'm I'm just here's a guy who I, I feel has. Stolen money from uh, from from Houston and their franchise because I've looked at their stats and their downfield passing uh, stats. He's the worst in the league. Completion uh, percentage one of the worst in the league. So I, I even with that being said, I've seen Connor Cook a little bit at Michigan State. He's a he's a gritty, gutty guy. Um, heartless at times after that stunning pulled in Ohio State, but. Uh, I think I'd have to still lean towards the Raiders in this game, uh, especially with, you know, you're having a quarterback issue with uh, starting Brock Osweiler again, and then you're also having an issue with Lamar Miller. I'm not sure if it's a, it's an ankle, but I know he's been gimpy the last half of the latter half of the season, and from what, I'm, from what I've heard, he's still not 100%. So I'd still have to go with that big physical – Raiders offensive line and running game to kind of carry them through this game. Yeah, you, you're looking at a matchup here between those two quarterbacks. I mean, uh, no quarterback has ever made their first start in the playoffs, so that's what Connor Cook's going into. And then Brock Osweiler is coming in after having a 72.2 quarterback rating, 15 touchdowns and 16 interceptions this year. So neither one of these guys instill confidence if you're in there, but you know you got two big time defensive players on both sides of the ball, uh, both on um, both of these teams. The Raiders with Khalil Mack, and then of course Jadavian Clowney with the Houston Texans. I think this one's going to come down to the other guys that are out there. Uh, Connor Cook has a lot of help with Cooper and Crabtree. Uh, 
Murray, you know, they they if he can move the ball around, you know, they should be able to uh, make something happen. But the Texans are favored in this game by three and a half points, and we've seen them win by field goals <laughs> just recently. Um, I, I, I this game to me is going to be a hard one to watch because the offense is going to be lacking. And you talk about Connor Cook, that stunt he pulled snatching the trophy from uh, Archie Griffin at the Big Ten Championship is one of the memories you have. The other memory you have of a Michigan State quarterback was Brian Hoyer last year in the playoffs for the Texans throwing five interceptions. So this is something that Michigan State quarterbacks are known for. I don't care. You can talk about Kirk Cousins. You can talk about Brian Hoyer. Connor Cook will come in, probably throw up a couple picks, and I think that's going to be the difference in this game. The Texans will win. Okay. I I can see it from that standpoint too there, buddy. We got Saturday night. We go to the NFC and the Detroit Lions back in the playoffs. For the first time since 1992, sadly for them, they're on the road going in to Seattle and oh, taking boy. on the Seahawks. Man, oh man, I'm thinking that that's got to be now. Nah, it's got to be a little bit sooner than that because I do remember Detroit going down there in New Orleans and losing in the first round. So uh, that stat, we got to clean that up just a little bit. But it's all we're, we're, we're doing a little fact check right now. That's what I had. I got that from NFL Network. Let's okay. Go. Okay, and then uh, as far as that game going into Seattle, it's just even with Earl Thomas out, that's still the 12th man still makes it a hard place to play. And uh, with Stafford and that, that, I think it's that index finger, he hasn't had the velocity on the ball since that injury. I'm still going to have to go with uh, Seattle at home. That's, that's uh, traveling from Detroit going to Seattle from the Midwest to the West Coast, the, the time change, and I'm just going to have to give the advantage to the 12th man and uh, Seattle and the Seahawks. Even though yeah, – uh, Yeah, you're right. They were, in there, they were in there 2015 and 2012. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They played the Cowboys and then they played the Saints. You're right. Mm-hmm. And the Redskins one. I don't know where that guy got that stat from. He's dead wrong. Man. Um, we'll be editing that out. Uh, what did you say? Uh, what was I going to take off? Oh, on Matthew Stafford. You, you talk about Matthew Stafford and the injury. I mean, this guy was in the MVP race. He had 23 touchdowns and five interceptions before injuring that finger. And, I mean, he's had five interceptions since, so you know that it has played a big role. The big storyline here is the return of one Golden Tate, who – pretty much was built and, you know, you talk about a maturation process. They saw all his talent come to fruition in Seattle only to see him leave disgruntled. So, you know, he's going to be in trying to prove himself and make a big day there in Seattle. But the real issue is not really the uh, Earl Thomas with that defense. Um, they, they, Seattle, I can't even get it together. Hold on. What's on? Uh-huh. Golden Tate with the offense and also combined with they don't have Theo Riddick who might be still injured, but Zach Zinner has stepped up real big. And Michael Bennett has come out saying he's the best white running back in the, in the NFL. Um, just with the performance he's been putting on the last couple of weeks, he's uh, had over six touchdowns in the last three games, uh, which has been crazy. But you think about Seattle trying to get something more out of their special teams 
along to go along with their defense without Earl Thomas. And that defense without Earl Thomas has been giving up 24 points. With Earl Thomas, they give up about 16.2. So that free safety position is a big deal. Uh, everybody else is healthy on that defense, but they've been asking a little bit more from their other big-time guy who has gone full media blackout for the playoffs, and that's Richard Sherman. Um, he's been returning kicks, and people think that's been taken away from a little bit of his play at quarterback and his, uh, and, and his stamina. So they signed Devin Hester, and we wonder if he'll make a big return or make an impact in the special teams game. The one thing that will make an impact in this game is the 12th man. The fans in that home field advantage, the sound in that stadium has always proved well for Seattle, especially in these early round games. And with combined with the factors going against uh, Detroit, that's why Vegas has them as an eight-point dog. Um, I, I, I side with the Seahawks here at home, even though their offense has been a little inconsistent and they have found Jimmy Graham a little bit but they haven't still utilized him to the full potential that I think they should be, uh, which is a full feature in that offense. Um, you know, the only team to go in there and beat the Seattle Seahawks was the Arizona Cardinals the last couple of years, and uh, they're not in the playoffs. So, um, sadly for Detroit, they don't have Megatron to uh, catch or uncatch a ball, considering if you're wearing uh, stripes or you're just a fan of football. The Sunday slate wild card games show us the AFC where the Miami Dolphins go in to a confluence of rivers to play at Heinz Field and go against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Being a Bengals uh, beat reporter and uh, just being with an Ohio bias, uh, let me say this, in my heart of all hearts, I, I really hope, you know, if God is looking down on us, we're <laughs> we're hoping that Miami beats uh, Pittsburgh because I, I really detest them. But uh, you know they're playing up there in Pittsburgh. This is a warm weather team traveling up up north into Western PA, and I'm sure this time of year, you know, weather will be bad. You're talking snow, um, rain showers. You know, that's mentally for a warm weather team, they they kind of kind of defeats them before they even get off the bus. And if you look at the uh, the stats for warm weather teams and dome teams coming uh, up north uh, November and on, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stat that will shock you. So I, I'd have to pick uh, Pittsburgh to uh, get, get a little bit of revenge after Miami beat them earlier this year, I believe, down there in uh, Miami. <laughs> Yeah, they caught Pittsburgh sleeping week six. Uh, Jay Ajayi, uh, Great Britain's favorite football player because he's their uh, <laughs> product, um, had over 200-plus yards. Um, I want to get your uh, – before I get to my prediction real quick, your thoughts mm-hmm. on Ben Roethlisberger taking another cheap shot at the Bengals with his statement when he was asked about Cameron Wait, I mean Cameron Wait, asked about Ndamukong Sue and some dirty play. He said, you know, he's used to that, you know, um, and he doesn't react to it because if you do, you lose the game like the Bengals. Yeah, the, the Big Ben or Pig Pen or whatever you like to call him, we – you know, just as a Bengals fan and just just knowing that rivalry, it, it's it's very frustrating because you'd really like to have the right kind of front office and the right kind of head coach and, and aggressive style to uh, build your team. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll use an analogy. You look at uh, Urban Meyer, and, and I hate to remind everybody, but 
you lose in the Fiesta Bowl. And the next thing you know, Tim Beck, he's going to Texas. And Urban Meyer is looking to get better. And he's looking for coordinators that uh, can fix that offense and get them to score points again. And that's just my only issue here in Cincinnati where they're, they're too laid back, uh, not wanting to rock the boat. And offensively, this was one of our worst outputs this season. And I feel Ken Zampezi should be gone, and they should be bringing in a new offensive coordinator. But that's neither here nor there. But it's frustrating as a, a Bengals, you know, reporter and just as a fan, just that uh, how since Marvin has been here in his tenure, how lopsided the wins and losses for Pittsburgh, not, well, we can talk historically, but just in Marvin's tenure where he has not been able to beat this team. And we know as the AFC North stands, lately as uh, the last decade is coming down to either Baltimore or Pittsburgh that you you have to be able to beat. Uh, Cincinnati has been able to figure out Baltimore the last uh, three to four years how to beat them. But as it pertains to Pittsburgh, they can Marvin has not found a way to beat this team. Well, what's interesting, you talk you talk about that Steelers, you know, uh, being there. They've never had all three players. Uh, their big three is what people are calling between Roethlisberger, uh, who you don't want, you know, standing between you and the doorway if you're a woman in a bathroom. Um, Le'Veon right. Bell and Antonio Brown on the field at the same time for a playoff game, which was uh, crazy to me. I didn't even realize that, uh, but I'm sure you've heard that everywhere over and over again. Let's get to are the they- mustard. Or let's yeah, get to the must- or, or what, or what they dub themselves the with the killer bees or something like that. Am I right? I think that's you, you could you have. could be right. I just don't follow the squealers that tight. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I hate you. them too. Um, so beyond the nicknames, they're they're a ten point favorite here. You know, as they should be. But the way that the Dolphins beat them, I think, and that's why I mentioned in the beginning is that Jay Ajayi, and he, the, the one uh, small storyline or, like, tangential storyline is the Pouncey brothers going against each other. Well, the Steelers have been very lucky to protect, you know, and open up the running lanes for Bell and protect Big Ben with the one Pouncey brother, but the other one plays for the Dolphins. So he's on that O-line, and you're going to see Jay Ajayi, who if he gets over 100 yards, the Dolphins are 4-0 when he does that. So he got mm-hmm. over 200 yards. That Steelers' defense is awful. Awful, and that's what really frustrates you when you, you, you're talking Browns, Bengals, or whoever, is that these guys are the luckiest team in football. They have been for years, you know, because they get some kind of call or something that goes their way, and then they find a way to win, and Big, Big Ben still got some magic in that pouch of his. So, um, exactly. you know, everybody's rooting for the Dolphins here. You talked about the weather and stuff like that affecting them. I am actually a fan of Matt Moore, who will be stepping in for Ryan Tannehill, who's hurt. I think he's more than serviceable and can make some plays with the talented uh, wide receiver. You saw a big year from Kenny Stills. Uh, they had the second-year player from Louisville who was hurt during his rookie campaign, Devontae Parker, step up, along with Jarvis Landry. So they've, they've got some weapons down there. And then former Browns tight end Jordan Cameron, uh, you know, and also um, Anthony Fasano. They've got the weapons down there to move the ball. And then Wake and Sue and that Dolphins defense are going to have to make some plays and bring that pass rush. The one other thing that's interesting to me about this matchup, I don't know if this is the game because of the snow, but Antonio Brown didn't have that big year. Neither him. I think that bet cursed him and Brandon Marshall, uh, betting on who was going to get the most yards this year. But um, 
I don't see this being his breakout game, but of course, like you said, we're rooting wait, against wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me business isn't booming? Nah, man. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I I, had to I still see him off. dancing on these Pepsi commercials, so it's it's doing all right considering the production's not there. Mm. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, begrudgingly, you know, you think the 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 guys that love ketchup will win? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but uh, you just look at it, and and I have to go lean with experience. And you know, you talk ben, Big Ben, and he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And you're putting up putting him up against uh, a backup QB, even though I think here's my thing. I think athletically, Miami has an advantage with that defensive front. But when you're talking as a whole, you think with Pittsburgh playing at home, having Big Ben, having supposedly their nickname, the Killer Bees, all three of them together, it's tough to see them not walking out of Pittsburgh at home with the with the win. All right, let's get to the that Pittsburgh. Oh, let me get this in real quick. Did I say that? Yeah, the Dolphins meet the Steelers. One o'clock, one o'clock, one o five on CBS, and I think that's real important, folks. These games are all over the place on all these different TV channels. Each network gets an NFL game this wild card weekend. So, and we go to Fox at four o'clock, where the New York Giants will be going into Lambeau Field, <laughs> hopefully with their shirts on, taking on the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. We, I think all of America saw that huh? down in Miami. They were having a good time, huh? Um, Have you ever had a good time, Garrett Staples, where you just had to promote it on social media and let everybody know? Is, is that did, did that ever enhance your good time? Make it that much better? Take it up from ninety nine to one hundred? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if that was necessary. But I mean, but Steve Smith had happened to speak on. I don't know if that was on first take. I believe it was on first take. And uh, he said, what you do on your day off is on your day off. So we'll we'll leave it at that. But I'm sure all of media will be coming for the Giants if they lose this game after, you know, partying down there on uh, on the yacht or boat or whatever they were doing down there in Miami. But let's get to the game. And we're looking at the game, and, you know, you have that bad man, Aaron Rodgers, out there holding the belt out there in uh, Green Bay. And when you look at this uh, matchup, you think about uh, the struggles just of Green Bay's offense early on in the season and having new receivers and and just having newer guys, younger guys step up and building chemistry with them in the passing game. And it's starting to to take place. And I I saw something where I believe uh, Green Bay with Eddie Lacy and that injury and him not being healthy, they took a – it looks like it turned a, a tight end into a running back, so he's able to split out and, and run the ball a little bit with, you know, behind the tackles and then also from a traditional running back point, and then they also spread him out as a regular tight end or split him out or split him out as a wide receiver and run him in that situation. So with that being said, it's going to be a lot to ask um, it's going to be a lot to ask of anyone trying to trying to deal with uh, Green Bay, and I, I. But I will say this: the Giants, 
they have one of the top flight defenses and especially pass defenses in the league. So it's going to be a great chess match between Mike McCarthy and uh, Ben McAdoo, you know, uh, with uh, the Green Bay passing attack. And then just, uh, you know, with the Giants and their their woes to uh, produce points, point production, they've had issues with that this season. And, you know, with Eli, it's, I don't know, during the regular season, he reminds you, him and Joel Flacco remind me of a like where they turn the ball over a lot during the regular season, and all of a sudden it's like this this magic light ball goes off in their head. Oh, it's the postseason! I'm not supposed to throw to the team with the uh, the different color different color jersey. So it'll be interesting to see what production Eli can get done through the air with uh, OBJ or. Odell Beckham Jr. Will Victor Cruz really be fully healthy for this playoff run? And uh, the the young guy, young kid, uh, Shepard, they drafted out of Oklahoma. How is that going to play out? And I think it's not going to be so much important as the the uh, passing game for the Giants, but just what are they going to get out of their running game, which is, has really struggled this season. I think it's probably because of their offensive line. The Giants spent – major money on their defense and, and defensive line, or should I say defense all in, all over, and uh, the secondary and linebackers and those kinds of things. But you, you didn't spend that money on the offensive line, and, and it shows within the running game. So just to see what what kind of running game, you know, you're going to get from the Giants and what they can generate out the backfield. My, my pick, I, I'd have to take uh, – I might have to take Green Bay in this one. At home yeah. in Lambeau, at the frozen tundra. I think you hit the key right there. Uh, we all know the story of good Eli and bad Eli, so that can always turn a game. But <laughs> right. uh, Aaron Rodgers has been on fire. Uh, they won seven straight. He's had 18 touchdowns, no interceptions, put up 40 touchdowns for the year. Now they are throwing the ball some some games 40 times, maybe 50 times, but they're getting it done, and that's why they're a five-point favorite in this game. Uh, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and you talked about Ty Montgomery being everything that they need uh, in the running game and whatnot, but they are a little one-dimensional on that side of the ball. Their defense is awful, just awful. I mean, there's nothing to say about that. All these games they've had to outscore people um, and things. When it comes to the Giants, the Giants are my pick, actually, to go all the way. Um, they, I felt that way earlier on. They've struggled a little bit to finish the season, but I think if Eli can get on track, which is a big if, they can get going. The real key to me in that receiving core that you were mentioning is one guy that you left out, and that's the Bowling Green product, Roger Lewis, who kind of is the same size as Sterling Shepard in that slot, and he's had some big plays for them, and I think he'll be ready to go because he's the one guy who has experience playing in the snow. Uh, I don't know how much uh, Sterling Shepard got to do that down there in Oklahoma, um, but uh, Roger Lewis definitely with that experience from being up in Northwest Ohio. When you talk about mm-hmm. that secondary and spending that money in the off season, Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins, as much as I, he he runs his mouth, um, he's backed it up, and so has Roger Kamari yes, in, in the secondary. But the real key is Landon Collins, the, and he might be the stri- the shining star of an alumni from an Alabama program who's been woeful, woeful pro- products in the NFL. In the NFL, so. definitely. Definitely. 
And so you look at that. The other thing, when you talk about that running game for the Giants, the one guy that they've gotten something out of is the rookie Paul Perkins, who has been a much big surprise to step in for Rashad Jennings when he was hurt. Um, You saw him uh, help them in both games against the Cowboys, and I think that's the kind of game we're going to see here, that kind of performance from the Giants in the cold. Uh, You talked about the off day. I think those guys got relaxed and uh, had to get their vitamin D because uh, in the frozen tundra, the Giants are going to have to bring it. Um, the the last time that I've seen a team go in and beat a Green Bay team the way that they should be done was I think about uh, Michael Vick and whatever you feel about how he treats animals, this guy was one hell of a football player, and he put on one of the greatest performances in NFL history going into Green Bay to win in the playoffs with an Atlanta team that people thought was all finesse and only could play in a dome. So um, I think these Giants are going to be ready to go. And so I know Aaron Rodgers is special, and he's been playing well. But um, that defense, uh, Aaron Rodgers can't, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers can't uh, pass the ball and defend it. So I, I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. Okay, hey, and that's a, a viable pick when you talk about what's that thing when you talk about January and on defense wins championships and the Giants. They have been performing on defense and been one of the the top two defenses. Uh, the second half of the season. So I, I can't argue with that. That's that old mantra. When you're, you're playing good defense at this time of year, you'll be in the game, and you can shut down the offense. And if, like you said, the key to this game is if, if they can slow down Aaron Rodgers and uh, with that defense, which is is struggling for Green Bay, it's, it's a possibility that they could uh, upset uh, Green Bay at the frozen tundra. All right. We're going to close the show with a question about the Pro Bowl, Garrett Staples. Pro Bowls in Orlando, not so much about anything going on. Who cares about dodgeball and all that garbage? But my question to you is, well, do you think people in Hawaii will watch the Pro Bowl or will they boycott because the Pro Bowl is no longer in Hawaii? I think uh, just the way Roger Goodell has made this a circus, you know, and when you – you took it away from uh, Hawaii. No, I, to answer your question, no, I don't think people are going to watch it in the Hawaii area or Hawaii region, I don't believe. Uh, but I also think that, you know, you should have – you're making more of a spectacle of it, and you don't have the players that you really want to see get to play in the game because they're playing this a week before the Super Bowl. So if you're in the Super Bowl, why would you ever risk playing in an all-star game, you know, um, versus playing in the Super Bowl. So that that's more Roger Goodell's doing and his 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 capitalist ways as I call them. And then also, you know, you take in consideration they're talking about having a almost uh a farm league or or or, or something that I, I've heard recently with the NFL. And that seems to me that, that I would think that Roger Goodell would have his footprints on that as well. But that's a whole nother show and a whole nother podcast and story. Absolutely. Uh, one one suggestion that I always thought about was why not play the Pro Bowl in place of the preseason game so you start the season with last year's best players all going against each other to celebrate, um, to start off a fresh season uh, before the season starts in place of the preseason game that starts off the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So you would see the best players of today playing 
a day before the best players of the generation before got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't know. That just, you know what I mean, would make more sense to me instead of a preseason game where you usually don't get to see the players you want to see either. So uh, NFL's got some real problems, and like you said, we got plenty of podcasts to cover that later on. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for listening to this one, though. Garrett, say, uh, sign out for the good people. Once again, uh, Happy New Year, folks. Hope you have a great year. And uh, just get looking forward to uh, improvement with us throughout the year with the, the podcast and with an Ohio bias. And we're just going to we're gonna bring you the raw, hard, cold facts and uh, just great storylines and information throughout Ohio and just celebrating Ohio sports. And you're going to see some cold football games, ladies and gentlemen. So we hope you keep warm when you're enjoying your Sunday action. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Thanks for listening. All right, man. That's good stuff. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Yeah. Um, uh, whenever I can get you to fill in, man, I will. So we'll try to piggyback it with the Bengals stuff, too. So um, okay. that way we can do two and one. So, you know what I'm saying? But I appreciate you talking a little football. I knew that NFC East thing. I didn't want to – I'm not trying to spring stuff on you, but I just thought that would be a good way to get you going on the show. So, to start off, you know what I'm saying? So. They hate me on the East Coast, man, because I can't stand them either. Oh, man. Oh, that's good. Oh, man. Yeah, you, you got me going. That was a good one. All right, man. Take it easy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care, bud. All right. All right. Bye-bye.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.